congregation, the text for this morning is, as he already said, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. And I encourage you to keep the passage open before you throughout the sermon. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the passage previous to ours of this morning tells us how the Lord Jesus, with the use of five loaves of bread, two fishes, and his divine power, had fed 5,000 men plus all the women and children that were with them. Following that passage, we have in our Bibles a bit of white space, and then in italics, that little heading, Jesus walks on water. And those little headings are, of course, very helpful when we are searching for a certain story or a passage in our Bibles. We need to keep in mind, though, that these little handy headings are placed there by the publisher of the translation we use and not by the original inspired author of the Bible books. And so in our text of this morning, the Apostle Matthew just kept on writing. He just continued to recount to us what happened on a particular day in the, Lord, in the time that the Lord Jesus walked among us. At the beginning of that day, the Lord Jesus had heard that the ruthless and cruel King Herod had taken note of him and that he believed that he was John the Baptist who had been raised from the dead. And from Luke 9, verse 9, we know that Herod wanted to see Jesus. Now, the Lord was most likely not too worried about King Herod, but the cruel death of John the Baptist must have truly hurt him. And it's no wonder then that we read in verse, in verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. The Lord Jesus was truly man, and that means that he just, like us, at times needed to be by himself to pray and to draw near to his heavenly Father. But the crowds had heard about it, and they followed the Lord and his disciples on foot. And so when Jesus arrived at that deserted place, it was not deserted at all. Thousands upon thousands of people were there waiting for him and their brother sick, people with him. And then the Lord looks at them and he had compassion on them. In, the, in Mark's account of this event, we read that the crowds looked to him like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord, being the good shepherd, heals them and also feeds them. <coughs> And then we read in our passage of this morning, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side. The Lord still needed to be alone with his father. And immediately he made his disciples. And that word translated made is a Greek word that in some other places in the New Testament is translated with the word force. And that is how we must understand this sentence. And so the word immediately points to the urgency of the Lord to be by himself 
En de woord made, of force, teaches us that the disciples are not all that eager to leave. Now, why not? Well, we find the explanation of that in John 6. Where we read that Jesus, after he had fed the crowd, perceived that they were about to make him, by force, to make him king. But the Lord made his disciples, he forced them to go into the boat, and so they had set sail while the Lord stayed to, behind to dismiss the crowds. So he could be by himself and pray. <coughs> it's no wonder that the Lord had to force his disciples to go into the boat and leave. The disciples would have loved it if the crowd had made the Lord king. And we can just imagine that while they were sailing away there in their boat, they did not understand the Lord very well at all. But Jesus did not want to be made king. Sometime later he would clearly say that his kingdom was not of this world. Jesus is indeed very great, but his kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. It is the kingdom not of this world, and his disciples must learn to accept that. In the event recorded in our passage, they are going to understand this a little bit more. They needed that. And so do we. And therefore, brothers and sisters, I will preach our passage to you under the team. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus reveals himself to his troubled disciples as the Son of God. And we'll see first the Lord and his disciples going into the night, and then the Lord and his disciples in the fourth night watch. First then the Lord and his disciples going into the night. In our mind we can see those disappointed disciples rowing away from the northeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, going into the direction of Capernaum and Bethsaida, located on the western shore. From the Gospel of John, we know that it, by now it was evening and it was quickly getting darker on the shore. The Lord had in the meantime dismissed the crowds and had gone up a mountain by himself to pray to be there alone with his father. He and his father are one. And he needed time with his father to pray for strength and for comfort. Living in our by sin broken world must have been so stressful and even painful to him. He had come to reveal, to show his father to the people. And in order to do so, he needed to stay close to his father. Just as we need to stay close to our Lord Jesus Christ and to the cross if we want to show the fourth Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Now we do not know, of course, what the Lord prayed. and What he prayed for. There was much going on between him and his father. John the Baptist's death. The people's desire to make him king had been temptation for him. Just as when in the desert the devil tempted him to give him all the kingdoms of the earth. is only Jesus would worship him. And it would not be too hard to imagine that there in the stormy night 
The Lord Jesus poured out his heart to his father about the victory over that temptation. And that he also prayed his father for strength and help in so much more severe and more painful temptations to come. It's also very possible that there on the mountain the Lord was praying also for his disciples. How much, how much must their faith in him be shaken when he refused to be made king? Was he then not the promised Messiah, the great son of David, who would become the king of Israel? They still had so much to learn. And they were at times so slow to understand. In Luke 22 verse 31 we read that the Lord had said to Peter that Satan demanded to sift all the disciples as wheat. But that he had prayed that the faith would not fail. And it was not only then that the Lord needed to pray for the faith of his beloved disciples, his beloved people. The Father had given them to him and he must keep them from the evil one. And so brothers and sisters, you know from the Bible and probably also from our own experience that Satan is always out to shake, to agitate the faith of the Lord's people. Of people who joyfully and from the heart confess that they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even now, he is at the right hand of his Father The Lord Jesus is even at the, is now is on the right hand of his Father interceding for us and how necessary that is. Because the evil one seems to get more active all the time. Jesus is in the darkness of the night on the mountain by himself praying, having communion with his Father. But for him being together with his Father the dark night is bright as the day. And not though for his disciples in the boat. The wind had been against them from the beginning. And so they could not use the sail. They had to row. And the wind was gradually, gradually becoming stronger. The waves are getting higher and choppier. They're a long way from any land. From the Gospel of John, we know that they were about three or four miles away. And they were not really making much progress anymore. And we read in our text that the Lord came to them in the fourth watch of the night. Now the fourth watch of the night was the time from three in the morning till six. The first watch was from six to nine p.m., The second from 9 to 12 midnight and then the third from midnight to 3 and then the, the fourth watch of the night. So for at least seven, maybe even nine hours, they had been rowing against the wind and they had covered maybe three or four miles. Which was about half the distance they had to go in order to reach Capernaum. So they knew they were in trouble. Not all that long ago, they had been in a similar situation too. Then too, the waves had beaten against the boat and the danger of being swamped and sunk had been all too real. But the big difference then was that the Lord Jesus had been with them and he had so wonderfully commanded the wind 
and the waves to be still, and they had, and the wind and the waves had obeyed him, and so he had saved them. But now, the Lord had hurried, hurriedly forced them to go into the boat and send them almost, chase them away, and he had stayed behind. Why had the Lord been so opposed to be made king? Why did the Lord have to send them away in such a hurry while things are just beginning to work out? And now they were stuck here and in increasing danger and they were not getting anywhere and they needed to get off the lake but they were in the middle of it. The experienced fishermen among them know all too well that the storms on this lake can turn deadly real fast. And so with all the might, they row and they row, but no avail. The wind is growing worse. How they must have wished that Jesus was with them. But where was he? Brothers and sisters, is the situation of the disciples in a certain way not quite similar as it can be in our own lives. We too can have those difficult times that we do not really agree with what the Lord is doing in our lives. Those times that we try as hard as we can to make the best of it, but whatever we try, things seem to get, be getting worse all the time. And soon we wish that the Lord would come into our lives and help us out and, even, and we even pray for it. But where is he? Where is the Lord in all this? Where is the Lord in my loneliness? In my grief? Where is the Lord in my pains, in my illness, in my disappointments, in my depression? Where is he? Lord, how come I have so little joy in my life? Lord, whatever I try, it turns out wrong. Lord, my loved ones don't seem to understand me anymore. Lord, I want to believe and I want to trust in you, but I can't give things over. And you seem to be so far away. Like David in Psalm 22, verse 2. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. That's how we can feel at times. But you see, the Lord knows. And he loves. In the parable passage of our text, in Mark 6, we read in the verses 47 and 48, and when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And then, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Now remember, it was dark, and they were three or four miles away in a rough lake. But the Lord saw them. Their boat, beaten by the wave, tossed back and forwards and sideways, the wind screeching to the rigging of the boat, sweeping the water high up into the air. Rowing didn't help anymore, and the Lord had sent them away and is nowhere to be seen. Oh yes, Satan was shaking them a switch in a sifter. But the Lord, he saw 
that they were making headway painfully. He saw them while he was praying to his father. You see, brothers and sisters, that's your Savior. No, you may not see him, but he sees you. You may think that he is far away, but he is ever near you. You may think that you are on your own, but he is carrying you already. And although the Father himself loves you, he is still interceding for you at his Father's right hand. The disciples that in the boat of that time did, of course, not know that Jesus saw them. They had no idea how safe they actually were. So, brothers and sisters, yes, it can get really dark and stormy in our lives. So much so that we, as the Apostle Paul once wrote, despair of life, even life itself. And that's possible. But ever there is Jesus, and he always sees you, and he always loves you. He will never forsake you. And this is why the Apostle Paul could write, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. It's because of the great Savior that you have. And this, brothers and sisters, is not so in the first place because of our faith, thankfully not. It is also not because of something we do or don't do, but it is so because Jesus, our Savior, is ever faithful. He always sees you, he always loves you, and he continues to prepare a place for you, and he will most certainly bring you there. No matter Satan, no matter the enmity of the world, no matter your own personal hardships, no matter you being people of little faith, he will bring you home. But the disciples, like us so often, but in the dark, and they rode, and they rode, hour upon hour, all the way into the fourth night watch, and then it happened. We'll look at that in the second point. We read in verse 25 of our text, and in the fourth night watch of the night, the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And brothers and sisters, I want you to try to picture this. Picture that sea of Galilee. Now, that's of course very hard to do. So picture yourselves in a small boat upon a large lake in the dark. The wind too strong, the waves too high, the water getting into the boat, no outboard motor, so you have to use the oars. But whatever you do, it doesn't make much difference. The wind is getting worse, and you begin to realize that you're not going to make it. And then picture to watch you, walking to watch you upon those waves your Savior. 
The wind does not and cannot stop him. The waves do not threaten him. He is completely in control the winds and the, of the wind and the waves for you a deadly threat, but they are subject to him. Awesome, is it not? Like we can read in Psalm 93, verse 3 and 4. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up in their roaring. But mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And that mighty Lord is your Savior. The thing is that the disciples did not realize who was coming to watch them there on the waves. Maybe it was their tiredness, their fear of drowning, which brought the old superstitions of before to the surface again. The reader, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And the word translated ghost is the Greek word, the Greek word phantasma, our word phantom comes from this word. It denotes something that is seen, but it has no physical reality. Something spooky. In many cultures, the seeing of a phantom spells disaster for those who see it. And so the disciples, they cried out in fear. Now they were sure that this must be the end of them. You see, brothers and sisters, how even those who are so close to the Lord Jesus as the disciples were, they had seen him cast out demons, can still fall back in superstitious unbelief. We should not be too surprised about that. Just be thankful that our Savior protects us from it. Satan is still much more powerful than we are. The Lord does not show any surprise about the fear of his disciples. It's in the end not every day that one sees someone walking on the, upon the waves. He is filled with compassion for them. And as soon as he comes within earshot, he immediately speaks to them. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And with this word, the Lord takes at once all the fear of the disciples away, the fear of drowning, the fear for a ghost. It, it is all gone. The Lord is with them again. It's true, of course, brothers and sisters, that the Lord is now in heaven and that he normally not speaks to us face to face as he did with his disciples, but he still does speak to us in his word. And his words are no less powerful, no less reassuring, no less comforting, and calming as they were when he spoke from the waves to his disciples that are in the boat. You hear him when you read his word or when you sing it with a song. It is so good, it is so healing in times of trouble to read some of the comforting passages of the Bible or just to sing a psalm of hope and trust in the Lord. Martin Luther once received a letter from a lady in which she wrote that sometimes Satan would cause her great doubts and fears. And he wrote back to her that if that would happen again, then she should sing a psalm. For then, he said, Satan will flee away. 
Maybe many of us here know from experience how true this is. And if not, then it's time to discover it. Peter too, in the boat there, he had all at once lost his fear. Lord, if or since it is you, command me to come over to you on the water. Peter's faith in the Lord is now so strong that if the Lord calls him, then he no doubt he will, the water will carry him too. And the Lord said, come. And Peter did. And he steps out of the boat and he walks upon the water towards the Lord. But then we read that Peter saw the wind. And Peter, of course, saw what the wind did. How it swept up the waves and how it tossed the boat which he had just left. And then Peter begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. No, it was not really that Peter lost his faith in the Lord. He cries out to the Lord to save him. What Peter suffered from is what all the Lord's people suffered from at some times. That is, that they get intimidated by the circumstances. It can happen in so many different ways that we come into situations that the circumstances become so overwhelming that we, like Peter, cry out to the Lord to save us while the Lord is, so to speak, right next to us. The Lord took Peter's hand. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Good question, brothers and sisters. Why do we at times doubt our Savior's powers? Why? Is it not exactly because we look at the circumstances and then we get intimidated by the impossibilities that we see? If Peter would have kept his eye on the Lord, he could have continued to see and experience that for the Lord nothing is impossible. He could have walked to the other side of the sea, so to speak. And why do we doubt the Lord at times? Or maybe even so often. Is it not because by ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand for a moment? And that at the same time, the circumstances, whatever they are, the devil, the world of our own flesh, never cease to attack us. We become people of little faith and doubt. But our Savior knows, and he is still, as he did, as he did in that, as he, and, and he still, as he did in our text, steps also in our boat, so to speak. And when the Lord Jesus steps in our boat, then the wind ceases. The circumstances, our worries, and our fears cease too. And then we worship. Truly, you are the Son of God. And then we are full of courage again. With the Lord, we will walk on water. With the Lord, we will run against the troop. With him, we will jump over a wall until, until the waves are getting too wild again and the troop too big or the wall too high. And then we cry out again, Lord, save me. And the Lord, he is the ever faithful savior. He will never forsake you, his people. He knows that we are people of little faith, but faith nevertheless. 
faith in him and he will keep us from the evil one. And so we will go on from strength to strength, but most often in weakness. And our Savior will ever be there. You see, he truly is the Son of God. One day he will return and then he will pluck us from this world. Just as he plucked Peter out of the waves. And then we will always be with him. And there will be no more sorrow or fear or danger. Only worship. Truly, you are the son of God. We will see him face to face. In all his power and glory. And we will worship and praise him. You people, you, O oh God, have tested us. All is in the furnace tried. We in the fire of our refining have been like silver purified. We went through fire. We went through water. But you then showed your power and grace. For you delivered us, your people, and brothers to a spacious place. How great a day that will be. We do not have to, but we do not have to wait with singing this until the day. For we may sing it now already. Especially when the winds... And the waves in life get so intimidating. For such singing chases Satan out. It calms our fears. And it turns our little faith into the worship of the Son of God. Amen.